Okay, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, welcome, Peter. Welcome, Doug. Um, just before we go further, I just want to say, uh, you guys, if anybody's listening and interested, you can email us suggestions for movies for Peter and I to review. You can email us at popcorndrinkcombo at gmail.com. And if we pick your movie and we do a podcast based on your movie, we'll give a shout out uh, during the podcast. Um, and a free t-shirt. Oh, wait, we don't have any t-shirts. <laughs> I was going to say, if we my a, free t-shirt. If we had a free t-shirt, we would give you a free t-shirt. Right. But you could pretend you have a free T-shirt if we call out your name. Um, This week, we are going to be doing um, Craig Gillespie's uh, 2017, uh, I guess it's sort of a comedy drama, black comedy documentary biopic, I, Tanya, on uh, none other than Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. I saw this um, at sort of an art cinema, and it was packed to the rafters uh, when I saw it. So I think there's a lot of buzz about this. Um, I, I, I just, I'm going to just say off the bat, I love this. I thought it was great. Uh, what, is, what was your initial impression? I loved it too. I thought it was terrific. I think somewhere out there, Martin Scorsese is owed a little bit of money or at least a <laughs> nod. Because this movie borrows a lot from Scorsese. Oh, yeah. Even the uh, the boxing scene, that brief boxing scene, looks like just like Raging Bull, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, and they sort of like they freeze the camera and the voiceover uh, and the narration. I mean, it's there's a little Raging Bull in there. There's a lot of good fellas in this movie. There's some casino in this movie. Yep, it's um, Marty heavy. But you know, as they always say, good artists borrow and great artists steal. So if you're going to uh, steal, why not steal from him? It's hard to go wrong. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It's better than stealing um, from uh, what's what's his name, um, Independence Day, dude. Oh, uh, <laughs> those two guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> those guys. Um, by the way, who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars? <laughs> Actually, I think one of them didn't. One of them like commit suicide or something. Uh, I don't know. Duo? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, anyway. Uh, so this stars Margot Robbie, who also produced this with her husband. Uh, as Harding, Sebastian Stan, um, and Allison Janae sort of uh, stealing her scenes as Harding's mother. I think it might be Janie. Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that lady. <laughs> well, this is good acting. Dean Devlin. Movie. Dean Devlin is the guy from Independence Day, right? Yeah, uh, Devlin and then the two, pro- uh, the two producers, they're like enormous <laughs> in Hollywood, and I'm just completely blanking. Anyway. Um... um and, you know, it's interesting because all these people are alive. Galuli is alive. Harding's alive. I believe her mother is still alive. Like, they're all alive. Like, you know, you and I remember these events when they took place in real time. Yeah. And this movie makes you feel guilty about remembering them in the way you do, <laughs> which is what's really interesting. One of the really interesting things about it. Um, well, you know, they they work hard to humanize Harding, but at the same time, they never let her off the hook. And they they present her in a sympathetic light, but also kind of an unflinching light. Yeah, I mean, you're never quite sure what the truth is, right? I sort of had the feeling that maybe she wasn't truly involved from the beginning in the plot, too, uh, for, for anybody listening. Uh, what was it, 94? Um, 92. In 19, 92. The attack was in uh, 
1994, I think in January, actually, January 94. Um, uh, Tanya Harding was a figure skater, is one of the top U.S. figure skaters. This is the time um, when uh, Christy Yamaguchi was also one of the top and also Nancy Kerrigan. And Nancy Kerrigan was um, practicing for the U.S. Uh, f- basically like the finals, the nationals or whatever. And somebody uh, hit her in the knee with a club very, you know, very hard, actually, you know, injured her in the hallway um, and ran away. And it, it ended up coming back to uh, Tonya Harding's family, her her ex-husband and their bodyguard and her um, ended up basically being prosecuted uh, in one form or another, either for the attack uh, or for conspiracy or for um not reporting or you know in one right, i think they another. got her for not coming forward when she knew that her husband had been involved in planning it right and you know the movie doesn't it it stays a little murky which i like but you get the i got the feeling at least that she may not have known you know the whole story obviously she held back a little bit in the end and she, it's not like she was entirely guilt-free but it seemed like she wasn't truly planning to attack her personally. Uh, although who knows? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, people are people and she was married to this guy. Right. It's a little hard to believe she didn't have some knowledge. And and I say that as somebody who kind of likes Tanya Harding It's a little hard to believe Except that they did have a, they had a very dysfunctional relationship and he, you know, he, he almost certainly was abusive, physically abusive, although she probably was giving some back at least. I mean, she was. Right. She's not powerful. a shrinking vial in some ways. No. Um, Which is what's interesting about her as a figure skater at the time, because a lot of the movie and uh, reflected in historical reality is that uh, women's figure skating is obviously extremely athletic and extremely difficult. Uh, but at the same time, the athletes tend to be sort of uh, slim, maybe maybe tall, or if they're petite. Right, hyper-feminine, delicate. Yes, delicate and sort of uh, fairy-like almost, you know, sort of uh, wispy. Uh, and and she really was sort of like, you know, captain of the East German women's wrestling team. You know, I mean, she was really built. <laughs> and um, she's short, too. You know, it, it's funny. You know, I have very few complaints about this movie. But my only major complaint is that Margot Robbie looks really nothing like Tanya Harding. I mean, in right. real life, Margot Robbie is about a foot taller. And if you look at uh, I went back and I watched a bunch of Harding's performances on YouTube. I mean, she is all muscle. You know, her legs are like keggers. You know, I mean, she's really, really an incredibly muscular girl, and she's not tall. They used to make uh, fun of her, actually. You know, they at the time, people would call her thunder thighs and stuff because she was incredibly muscular. I mean, she really looked like a weightlifter, which I, she was. And, you know, that's why she could jump so high and why she was able to be the first American to, to, to do a triple axel is three turns, you know, a spin that you had to jump extremely high to do. And the men were doing it at the time. Uh, but she was able to do that because she was so powerful. Uh, well, and, and, and there are things like that, that despite all the bad things in her life and the things that maybe she did or the way she said or the way she comported herself, like I was thinking when I watched this, 
like that scene where she does the triple axel for the first time in competition, like the first American woman to do it. I was thinking like, you know, no matter what, they'll never take that away from her. Like that's, you know, as much as this, all this awfulness and sort of tawdriness is her claim to fame, that triple axel, like that's hers for all eternity. Yeah. I mean, her, her grit, uh, well, you know, I'm sure will be remembered, um, as an athlete. And, um, so, so the, what are the what are the things particularly you liked about the movie? I mean, there you know, there's the way it looked and the way it was shot, and then there's the underlying sort of theme and the way it makes you feel when you watch it, right? So, and the narrative is done in a clever way in the sense that you know, Harding, Galuli, and uh, Lavana all get their turn to tell their version of the story, none of which really overlap, um, and they they sort of wink at you and they play with the fact that none of the stories quite jibe up. You know, at one point I think every character looks at the camera and says, this never happened. Yeah. Right. And it gets a huge laugh in the audience. Yeah. And they um, intercut, um, their, these, in, these film sort of fake interviews, uh, of the actors playing very interviews. Right. Uh, so they, they, right. They intercut them throughout the movie, um, to, make it sort of a mockumentary um, style film. And a lot of the interviews especially provide humor, particularly Tanya's uh, mother, who's played um, brilliantly by uh, Allison Janney. Um, And uh, I I kind of felt like just, just watching Alice and Janney, I kind of felt like I smoked a cigarette in this movie. Every single film, every single scene she's in, she's smoking, and she appears to be smoking the cheapest cigarettes on earth. And she's taking these incredibly long, hard pulls on them. Yeah. Like I, I who have never smoked in my life, literally felt like you know I walked out of this with a black lung. She's smoking and drinking, and you can just you know you can hear her voice even sounds like uh, a smoker and a drinker. You can hear the like squamous cell cancer growing in her throat as <laughs> she's talking. The cord polyps and nodules. Right. And the other thing is I was not only did I feel like I was smoking, but I was actually afraid of her watching her. I mean, I was intimidated by her and, you know, she's so frightening to watch as a personality that you can really imagine that being her daughter and a, a performing a stage daughter or an athletic daughter in that sense to her was no easy thing to be. And, and, you know, I thought that that came through no more so than the scene where, when Tanya is a little girl and she's talking to some other little girl on the ice and the mother says something to the effect of, don't talk to that bitch. She's your enemy. (laughs) She's like four at the time, by the way. Right. And she's giving her this hyper aggressive advice that really serves to isolate her from her peers. And Tanya internalizes that advice the way that she relishes not just, you know, winning tournaments, but, you know, vanquishing other contestants. Yeah. You know, it's not enough that she should win. All others must fail, so to speak. Yeah. And and by showing, you know, maybe a half a dozen uh, uh, instances of brutality, uh, or harshness that her mother right. delivers, either verbal or physical, up to and including stabbing her. <laughs> right, and by showing several instances, Allison Jenny's so her she's her performance is so potent that you really she really hits you right in the gut. I mean, you really feel it. Just with a few instances, you get the point, 
and you you it's totally believable. It's not like it doesn't feel like you're watching a movie and they're trying to make a point. Um, you really, even though um, Margot Robbie looks nothing like Tonya Harding and is obviously you know, she's very pretty, and Margot Robbie is. Um, it, it the, I still f- fell into the movie. I didn't really feel like I was. Um, like I was, I was in a film. I mean, I came up for air once or twice, but not much. It's incredibly well paced. Like I blinked, and this movie was over. Like, yeah. and it's not a short movie. I think it's about two full hours. But I, I really felt myself drawn into the story, um, and I really just paid attention rapidly the whole way. Yeah, it's right. 121 minutes. I mean, that's a long movie, and it did not feel like a long movie. Especially and whoever edited this, I don't know who edited this, but whoever edited this did a terrific job. Tatiana Regal. Um, Robbie didn't do much of the skating, um, and they had two women do the skating, and they digitally mapped Robbie's face onto those women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's some video on YouTube where they show how they did it. And a lot of the skating scenes were actually filmed by a, a guy with a steady cam who was actually quite a proficient skater. So a lot of that, you know, it, sometimes, you know, it's hard to tell what movements are computer camera work or actual camera work. But quite a lot of this, if not most of it, is true camera work that's physical on the ice by the guy who was able to skate around and keep pace with her while keeping her in the shot with the steady cam, which is unbelievably impressive. Right. Uh, because most film skating sequences, I mean, there aren't a lot of skating movies, you know, uh, I'll give you that, but they, they try to show the majesty from longer shots and with quick, you know, maybe a cut in when they're, when they're doing a, they're spinning. I don't, I'm not a skating. Uh, I, I don't know the terms, you know, I don't know. A, <laughs> You're not a skating aficionado, a, a triple, an axle from a whatever, but, but, um, right. Yeah. I mean, you know I didn't I mean. know a triple Lutz from a triple cheeseburger before I saw this movie. Mm, triple cheeseburger. No. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't know, but you know, most movies they have that they, they go long, but this one, they stay close when she's skating and the effect that has not only is sort of drawing you into her viewpoint, but also makes you realize how difficult and athletic it is because you're right up there and she's grunting and straining and jumping. Uh, and it, it's not easy. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not gliding along in a, in a fairy costume. Uh, right, and they down. show her sort of huffing and puffing after she does a big exertion or something like that. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other characters in this that are good. Like, for example, Julianne Nicholson, I thought, was terrific as her coach. Yeah, she's restrained and tries to help but realizes the limitations. Right, and she sort of bows out and comes back at certain times. Like, there's only so much Tanya Harding a person can take. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, the guy who played uh, Sean, um, his friend, <laughs> was terrific. Yeah. I mean, he is hilarious. Uh-huh. He is absolutely hilarious. Paul Walter Hauser as Sean Eckhart, I guess. I mean, I don't think I've seen him in another show, but he was really, really good. And the way that he sort of could spin his BS off the tips of his fingers from nothing that any person with half a brain 
would say, you're an idiot. Why am I listening to this guy who lives with his parents when he's, you know, 30 years old? But Galuli buys into it and, you know, accepts all his crap. Yeah. I, I aspire to do that to people, like just be able to spin <laughs> off a bunch of crap like that. I just That's what I aspire to in my daily life. Um, I guess in real life, Kerrigan wasn't very hurt. Kerrigan kind of recovered quickly. I, uh, everything I read said that they thought initially she was much more injured than she was. And she apparently was able to get back into her training regimen in short order. Yeah, because she so won really, the silver in the Olympics, which is like three weeks later. But, right. Um, or something like that. Maybe I don't know In, in short weeks. order, she won yeah, a silver medal at the Yeah, I know it was months, but still, yes. But, you know, do you remember that that when she was being treated by EMS and she's laying there in the hallway with her knee injured? There, why? There was, why? Why? Was, there was a several minute long film that basically was was on the national news back when there was news. Um, her sitting on the ground wailing like wailing and i mean i'm not criticizing her i'm sure it was incredibly painful to be you know have your knee crushed by a club right and to know that this may quash your chances for the imminent olympics you've been training for since you were you know 18 months old right exactly so i don't (laughs) blame her but it, it really sounded horrifying i mean it was it was uh incredibly um horrifying and was everywhere i mean that clip was everywhere and i think that clip is a you know large part responsible for people's attachment to the story um and they're young and they're beautiful you know like they're they're made to be featured on tv and th- there's a there's a bit in the movie where the the film is occasionally not just told by the the protagonist it's also a little bit told by this hard copy uh, tabloid journalist who keeps looking at the camera uh, in his office and there's a lot of good stuff in the movie too about sort of the dawn of tabloid journalism. Natural right. Born Killers by Oliver Stone makes a lot of the same points about tabloid journalism from the same exact point in American history, mm-hmm. the sort of early 90s. Um, and, you know, I thought that one of the very best lines in the movie, and again, I'm going to misquote it, but it's where Harding talks about how America wants a hero and America wants a villain. And Harding got to be both. Yeah, She got to be the you know, the dirt poor pulled herself up by her own bootstraps, uh, figure skater winning competitions. And she also got to be a great villain for the country. And in a weird sort of way, the same thing happened on a much smaller scale to Kerrigan. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Kerrigan's fall. You know, she was the victim and she was held up in front of the country as this poor little thing who got treated so badly and then she won her medal and then she i don't know if you silver. remember that she's right she won the silver and then she skipped the closing ceremonies because disney who was her sponsor wanted to put her in the parade in disney world and then when she was in the parade she, she was recorded on mic saying this is stupid this is corny i can't believe i agreed to this. like she made a bunch of disparaging comments about her two million dollar sponsor right and they were Walt basically Dis- you know kind of off the cuff but somebody recorded them somebody they, they were caught on on mic exactly basically. but and then all of a sudden the whole thing flipped Everybody you know, Harding her. was out of the story, and then she was suddenly the villain. I distinctly remember watching that clip of her on that float on Main Street in Disney, disparaging all that stuff. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that was weird, you know? Right. Like, but, 
The media loved it. They just loved it. Right. And she was actually saying what anybody with half a brain would be thinking at the time. Well, like, this when you're is standing ridiculous. next to Mickey Mouse, right. right, riding a trolley down Main Street in Disneyland. You know, what's the what was the line that they, they paid all those athletes like millions to say, like, uh, where are you going, going next? To Disney oh, World. I'm going to Disney World. Right. So, I mean, you think how fake that is, right? And, you know, if you have to say that when you're while you're grinning and saying that, you're thinking like BS. Two million dollars. Right. You're thinking like, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. Right. Uh, you do believe this? Like, you're not believing me, are you? You know, so uh, and, and you know, and so the other thing that the, the journalist from a hard copy says is, you know, he, he reminisces briefly about hard copy. What he's talking and he says, you know, hard copy, we were looked down upon as, um you know, trash tabloid by all the mainstream news networks. Right. And, but then until they became (laughs) us or whatever, he makes a comment like that, you know, we were ahead of our time until they, and that's very much a comment about the Trump era and the last election and, and all of that. Like, I thought that was sort of the, the one moment that brought us right back to the, to the present. Well, there were, you know, I mean, there's a massive increase in tab. I mean, irrespective of, of politics, uh, tabloids, you know, it's enormously, uh, I mean, even look at clickbait, right. On the web. I mean, it's it's the same thing. Apparently Kerrigan in real life has not seen the film. Hmm. Although, you know, she's gonna, you know, she's going to put sunglasses on and a wool hat and she's going to walk into a theater and watch it. They could probably just send her a copy on disc. Um, and, and you know, sorry, the ending, I thought the ending was really interesting, too, because at the end of the movie, you're really made to feel very sorry for her in a lot of ways, because they point out repeatedly throughout the film that she does not graduate high school. She has no other skill. The only other job she's seen doing are menial. Mm-hmm. And when they ban her from skating for a life. That scene had, I think, maybe more impact than almost anything else in the film for me, because you really feel like the sudden vacuum that she falls into. There's nothing to take skating's place. That's all she has. It's all she knows. You could imagine she was planning on coaching for the rest of her life. Right. And she's banned. She's thrown out of everything. And I had I remember reading and seeing clips of her doing her female boxing yeah. and you know that I think that's kind of what a lot of people remember. The last thing they heard about her was like, Oh, she's a female boxer. But the movie kind of portrays it as well. It was actually just a short thing that she did because essentially she had nothing else to do. Right. She was probably broke and desperate. Um, yeah. And it portrays it as um, almost pornographically, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of dirty. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's pornographic. I would say it's, it's portrayed as in, incredibly low and vulgar, you know, like right. to, to go from skating at the Olympics right. to getting, you know, punched in the face and while you're at. drowning in sweat, right, by a, a rough crowd, and, to say the least. Yes. And, you know, in a rough crowd at a rough location, uh, you know, and uh, bleeding. And getting knocked out, and you know they they draw for, direct, for a few bucks, right? They draw this parallel between her being knocked out and falling to the canvas, and her 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 uh, triple axle as she's flying through the air. You know, it's that right. And two thousand one. And they also draw the comparison inverse. between her 
being hit by her mother or being hit by her husband and being hit in a boxing match. Like in right. her mind, they're not so different. You know, this is what you have to do in life. You got to take your shots. Right. So technically, you know, the movie, that's one of the things I alluded to about the movie. That's great. It, the editing is fast. The it's, it's fleet of foot. The film moves around a lot. Um, it moves around in time. It intercuts interviews. It intercuts um, perspectives and, flashes back to visuals from other times and even though the story is essentially told chronologically um the 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 gist of the story is told chronologically but the method to do that is non-chronological if that makes sense Mm -hmm. no it makes perfect sense it does make you wonder by the way how conscious they were of scorsese i mean margot robbie was Jordan Belfort's wife in Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, she knew Scorsese. Like, it's, amazing, it's hard. It just—it's hard to imagine that they weren't kind of all looking at each other. Like, huh, he's in this movie too, whether he knows it or not. Marty Scorsese. <laughs> um, there's, you know, like I said, my my only real complaint was the difference in the appearance between the uh, Robbie and and Harding. But other than that, I mean. I'm telling you, people walked out of this with huge smiles. Everybody loved it. Yeah. Um, people it's stayed. very, very winning. They stayed through the credits, you know, because they show some actual few clips of the people in the movie. And just when you're thinking, like, this is exaggerated, you know, they, they put a parrot on her shoulder. There's her <laughs> right. mom with an oxygen tank and a parrot on her shoulder. <laughs> And they the scene at her, her at the Olympics where she um, presents her skate to the judges because she's having trouble lacing it is incredibly well done. And if you watch that clip on YouTube, they really, really nailed it, even to the point of the cameraman in the hall at the rink before she goes out where they show her desperately trying to tie her skate quickly. And she says at one point before she goes to the judge, I'm going to break my ankle. Like yeah. she's so worried that if she jumps with the skate mistied, she's going to get injured. And I was watching the the real thing, and she actually says that as she skates past the camera. The camera actually picks her up, saying, "I'm going to break my ankle." Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, Robbie's come a long way. You know, uh, she's had a big career in a short time. I think. I think the whole country didn't know who she was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, she was in Neighbors and some stuff like that. But really, I think the Wolf of Wall Street was the breakout. Everybody to notice her. I'll say. She has, a, she has a small bit in the big short where I believe she plays herself. And yeah. then obviously her big uh, her big movie is uh, she's in Suicide Squad where she plays Harley Quinn, which really kind of put her, I think, over the top in terms of mainstream recognition. Yeah, but this one, she's going to get props for this i mean she's gonna be she's gonna get a property. lot of props for this as she should because i think this is you know it's her part in wolf of wall street is more limited right exactly and harley quinn is you know not exactly uh you know it's not exactly shakespeare but this is she had to show range and be strong and vulnerable and coarse and sympathetic all at once yeah which is hard to do it's really hard to do um and the guy who played her husband, the guy who played uh, Jululi, was also really good, Sebastian Stan. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, most of which I hadn't seen. He's in The Martian, but uh, most of the stuff he'd done before I hadn't really seen or I hadn't recognized him for. But he's very good in this, too. And, you know, he's always so on the edge. 
Mm-hmm. I thought his best scene is when he drives whatever it is across the country just to swear at her at the ice <laughs> rink. Because because what he really is doing, even though he's he's dropping an F bomb on her, what he's really doing and what she correctly interprets is he's saying, I still love you. Like right. I wouldn't be here and do this if I really didn't still love you and care in my own awful, messed up, terrible way. Yeah, you get, And she you looks get at him me. and she smiles and she gets it. Yep. She understands immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a, I mean, not a lot of other big skating movies I can think of. I mean, there's hockey movies, but that's a whole other thing, even though those are skating movies on the ice. There's that love story skating movie from around. The, around right, the about the hockey player and the figure skater. Right. Um, Have you ever seen Miracle about, um, about the 1980 uh, Olympics? I don't think I've seen it, but I heard about it, it. It's fantastic. Right. Like, it's so good. It, it, you know, you could imagine that they thought, ah, oh, this will be some whatever B-movie, rah-rah patriotism. But they really, really get you. And you really feel patriotic and you feel the depth of the struggle. And Kurt Russell plays Herb Ritz, um, sorry, Herb Brooks, uh, the coach of the U.S. hockey team. And he does a great job. And he really got, I think, overlooked. He should have won Best Actor for the his portrayal of Herb Brooks in that movie. If you ever get a chance to see Miracle, mm-hmm. I think maybe a little too far afield for us to podcast on it. But if you ever get a chance, see Miracle. I watch it about once every year or two if I catch it on cable. And it is phenomenal. You know, it's really, really cool. I'm not a hockey guy. My dad was a huge hockey guy, so I got dragged to lots of games when I was a kid. But uh, if you ever get a chance, see Miracle. You know, Tanya, Tanya Harden, she could, probably could have been uh, at least a goalie. <laughs> she was, you know, pretty buff, if, if not more, you know, like. Um, Hi, Harding has given some interesting interviews uh, about this. And. You know, the New York Times had an interesting piece on her, and she's walked out of a couple of interviews uh, for this movie. She just – she doesn't want to be asked, did you do it? Like, I think she kind of feels like this is her public rehabilitation, hmm. and she can she can finally maybe hold her head up. I think, you know, in interviews, she clearly kind of conveys – this is my chance to tell my story and I'm not the devil. I'm not a monster. I did some bad things and I got publicly shamed, but I'm still a person. Like that's how Tanya Harding comes across to me. And I watched two or three interviews with her. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't have time to finish, but there's, there's an ESPN ESPN made a series of documentaries called 30 for 30. And there's one called the price of gold that was made a few years ago by Nanette Burstein about um, about the about Tonya Harding, and I, I think um, this movie probably owes a lot a lot to that. I saw the beginning of it; I think it's about an hour, and I saw maybe the first mm. twenty minutes. Uh, and and you should see it; it's really good, and it has. You can see that they took um, a bunch of stuff out of those interviews because there are extensive interviews with uh, Tonya Harding in it. Um, and you know, they were only done a few years ago. I mean, I think this, mm. this do- documentary was made a few years ago. Yeah. I bet it's on YouTube. Uh, you can get it on YouTube, uh, for a dollar 99 actually. Yeah, I could do that. 
but uh, but you know, I haven't seen the whole thing, but so far it's it's really interesting. I mean, um, I think if you see this film, uh, I Tanya, it's sort of gonna, uh, it's probably gonna inspire you to look things up more about it. So that's that, that's a good next step, at least I think so so far. The thing, and again, you know, they're they're all still alive. Like Tanya Harding, when you watch her interview, she looks like Tanya Harding. Well, yeah, you know. Just, if you look at uh, Nancy Kerrigan now, she looks pretty much the exact same as she did back then. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the current Tanya Harding could do a triple axel, though. No, although I imagine there's probably a single-digit number of people in the world who could do a triple axel. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it looks incredibly hard. <laughs> uh, I can skate forward, and if I'm really, really, really paying attention, I can skate backwards a little bit. That's about all I can do. So I can't even imagine jumping an inch off the ice. My, when, I, when, I, when I skate, my goal is to keep the blades on the ice, not up in the air. Um, I can I, You know, it hasn't made a lot of money, and this movie is in limited release. In my town, which has maybe 20 cinemas, uh, this movie is playing in one theater and only one theater. Um, oh, it was playing so in a couple right near here. I mean, they're both multiplexes, yeah. but uh, it was it wasn't packed when I went. But I went to like a daytime showing, and uh, yeah, it was. I'm surprised that they amount. haven't opened it up for wider release. Like I think that if they open this up for wider release, they'd probably score a much bigger audience. Like I think this movie appeals to both men and women. What and is, it's it's sort of it's not uh, it's not really limited in its demographic because the characters it's about are such a broad range of people. And again, it's based on real events, which if you're you know, you're pretty much if you're over 25 years old, you probably remember. I think they're expanding the release, though, because I think it's only come a- across the country in the last week or two. And they might have just released it in a limited way before 2017 ended so it could be considered for the Oscars. Right. Right, I think. But again, I, I, December eighth. I, I saw I saw a movie today. I saw my friend Dahmer today. So I was on Fandango looking, and it's still only playing at one theater in my whole town, which is not a small town. Right. Um, anyway, um, any final thoughts? Uh, any other things you want to mention on Itania? Yeah, two two things. Um, one is the the thing that I really that really hit me about this movie and the, the movie has real impact to me. It's a, it's funny, right? And, but the thing that really got me was the movie portrays the complexity of the situation and it makes you feel that complexity. It doesn't preach to you. It's not, it doesn't lecture to you really, uh, maybe minimally a couple times, but at the end it makes you feel guilty in unwittingly being complicit to not knowing what happened and not knowing the, t- and, and just sort of standing in the checkout line, seeing the inquirer about Tanya Feasting Harding on the tabloids, right? Even in and the media coverage, but you know, even if, I mean, I'm not a big consumer, you know, I mean, granted, you know, look, I, I subscribe to the star, but not the inquirer. So <laughs> you've would, got some standard Jesus. Yeah. Come on. So, but no, I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not even remotely a, a consumer of that. I mean, I don't know who's in line for the, in the royal family, uh, and uh, et cetera. But um, I still, the movie turns you from an outsider watching, you know, standing in partaking in the in the in the tabloid viewpoint, salacious sort of participation, at least a little bit. It takes you from a, an outsider in that sense 
to an insider who knows the people and totally changes your viewpoint. And when you're an insider, you, you realize the complexity of the situation. And, and I, I felt it made me feel kind of guilty, even though I wasn't really complicit and I wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't remember really talking about it with anyone at the time. But yeah, I don't know if guilty is the word I would use. I would say maybe a little complicit sad. or maybe a little shame. A little sad. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You I, I, I partook in this thing, even if it was just passively as by watching it on television, you know, and not changing the channel. It makes you assess your, your own perspective on things from the, you know, from this outside viewpoint, even if you're not complicit and it, it makes you realize that the world is complex and hard to understand, and it, it, it's sad, sort of. You and know, humans are not so wonderful all the time, right. and they can have wonderful things about them and terrible things about them all in the same person, right? As, as Joker uh, tells the sergeant in Full Metal Jacket, it's the Jungian thing, sir, right? Right, exactly. Um, and as the Horta scorches into the rock... <laughs> No kill eye. Aha, right. it, was, it was me this time. Hey, it's a first. Well done. And the miners want to kill it. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. I'm the one that brought it in. <laughs> um, uh, make note of the time and date. 5 to uh, January 15th, 2018. So, um, uh, so I don't know. that It really, like, it was very effective in that way. I, I don't... Um, I... I to me, it's one of the one of the things about the movie that's most that's really stays with me. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we don't usually talk about reviews, but you know, I read a couple of reviews after I after I saw it. And for example, like a Manila Dardis review in the in the New York the Times. Times. Um, it's it's sort of a negative review, and the, the reason she doesn't like it, I I really disagree with. Um, you know, she she says that uh, you know that her abuse was made comedic almost you know like like how could you the fact that that tanya harding was beaten and that there's brutality and it becomes breezily watchable as entertainment um you know it makes you complicit sort of by watching it and i think it's 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 really i think that's absolutely wrong i I mean i think it's a it's a sort of a bad viewpoint to suggests that you you can only treat you know domestic abuse um in in a in in one way you know that you don't and again if that's how harding talks about it it's okay to portray it that way it's her story right and i really don't think that they gave that there's anything salacious about about the way the movie portrays it you know, I think yeah, the abuse is not portrayed in any way good, positive. It's it's meant to be horrible and frightening and scary, but it's still her story. Like it happened to her, right? And I just I feel like there's a certain, you know, you have to be sanctimonious almost to talk about this. I mean, maybe you know, I don't want to get into politics, but it's it's sort of the politically correct sort of viewpoint, you know, to say that to, you know you're uncomfortable if you're watching this and it's not one-dimensionally portrayed as evil um i don't know i i it sort of was i thought it was off the mark um mm-hmm. and i saw a couple reviews that were were kind of like that generally from really the sort of the better publications you know 
Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I think it was really interesting. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, I mean, she, there's a, that bit where she fires a shotgun at him. Right. I mean, you could imagine that whether, regardless of what this movie shows, their marriage and their relationship must have been incredibly turbulent and tumultuous. Right. Um, Codependent. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think in any way or shape or form that the movie is minimizing her abuse or making fun of it or making light of it in any way. Like, it's, I mean, my 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 impression watching it was that there was at least some degree of physical abuse with her mother and her husband. I don't know. It's exactly true. I'm just telling you my sense of things and that it contributed to making her the person that she was both good and bad. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think it's certainly one that's worth seeing. Yeah, no, no. I, you know, I, I almost never see things in the theater twice, but I think I'm going to go back and see this a second time because I really, really liked it. I don't think I want to wait till this one comes to, to video to see it again. And it was also really good on the big screen. Yeah. Um, you know, it reminded me a little bit of um, A Clockwork Orange in one way, um, just to drag Kubrick into this. You know, Tanya Harding is the protagonist. She is not the hero. Like, this movie has no hero. Yeah. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of Alex DeLarge in Clockwork Orange. Like, like you're along with her for the ride, and you're kind of rooting for her. But you also know that there's a lot of bad behavior there and stuff that you really couldn't overtly endorse. But nonetheless, you know, when the narrator and the protagonist talks to you the viewer in such confidential tones yeah. it's hard not to get on their side i don't know i thought that was incredibly clever right sometimes she's because a jerk. this this you know, right and this but this movie made you like tanya harding who has been villainized in this culture you know for for the better part of a quarter century yeah i think the movie makes you understand it makes you understand things and feel them in in a way that that sweeps away the, the sort of salacious observational surface viewpoint of, of the happenings of the events. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for a movie to be able to do that is, is amazing. I, I don't know what you know, I, I'm not, it's, it's a hell of an achievement. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really is. No, I, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, we are doing it for this podcast. Um, and it made me want to see other films by the director, uh, Craig Gillespie. Um, and I, I think the only thing he's made that I've seen is Million Dollar Arm. I think the other movies that he's made, I haven't seen, but I'd really like to see some of his other stuff. Well, you win the t-shirt this week because you suggested this movie. All righty. Yes. The invisible t-shirt. I'm a men's medium. <laughs> All righty. Should we wrap there? Yes. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Peter.